The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. Good morning, everybody. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. I know I switch up my introduction many times, but... uh coming to you from beautiful Southern California. I've got a great guest on today who has shared his story with me and I want to help him get his story out to the world so he can show everyone how he's overcome his challenges. So without further ado, Matt, tell the people who you are and what it is you do. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I definitely appreciate the opportunity to speak on a lot of levels. You know, there's a lot of things to talk about. As far as who I am, that probably changes from day to day. As far as what answer you get, first and, foremost, first and foremost, I'm a husband and a father, and I try to be a good godly man, a good Christian. Like anybody, I still fail from day to day. What I do, again, that probably changes from day to day, but try to reach as many people as I can and, and tell the story and, and give people some hope. You know, there's a lot of people going through some dark times out there, going through some challenges, and, and they think that their story is unique. And they think that nobody's ever been through anything like they've been through. At least that's how I felt when I was going through mine. You know, you don't know who to reach out to. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know who to let some of that stuff out of your head. So I just, I try to reach as many people as I can and let them know there's, there's ways out of the darkness if you, if you just want it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, right? I remember because we have similar stories, right? So I remember when I was going through through my hard times or addiction, whatever you want to call it, right? And I would remember like early on, I would always think you guys are nothing like because I'm cool. You haven't been through what I've been through, right? So don't even try to pretend that, you know, and then when I finally like pulled my head out of my butt, as they say, and listen to the people around me who yeah. went through similar struggles, I was like, wow, that changed it for me it was like, I'm not alone. So tell so. It's up to you, Matt. So tell the audience like your story, like what, where you came from, like the challenges you have encountered in your lifetime and those deep, dark, like we just talked about moments in our lives that we think nobody can relate because they're not like me or they, they don't know what I'm going through. Share some of that yeah. with the audience because they need to hear like where you came from and then what you did to get out of that. Well, I mean, it depends on how far back you want to go and how detailed you want to get. You know, I it would sell a book really easily if I said, you know, I had a, a crappy childhood. Mom didn't love me and dad didn't love me. Really, I had a really good childhood. Mom and dad stayed married, which is rare you know anymore and they loved each other and they showed me what love was but you know I did have a few things in my childhood when I was a when I was a kid I got uh handed over to a relative to babysit me one time I don't even really remember how old I was um but I got molested and that was one of those things that 
I didn't, I didn't even really remember it. As I got older, I had a lot of, uh, we'll say sexual tendencies that I didn't really know where they came from. I had no idea. I just thought, wow, this is weird. But then, you know, later after I started getting clean, I started going to counseling and therapy and they pried some of that stuff out of my head. And then all of a sudden I had some memories that I didn't have before. And that brought on some self-awareness of maybe this is why I, part of why I am the way I am. And then when I got older, you know, I got out of high school and I got around some of the wrong crowd. I started getting into pain pills, doing enough pain pills that would probably kill most average people. That led into other things. I never really smoked pot. Pot was never really my speed. Too slow for me. I like <laughs> to go fast. Right. You know, I could smoke pot and just hang out in the closet, hide all day. And <laughs> that was good with me. But <clears throat> no, I, uh, I got into cocaine, the rich man's drug. And when I really couldn't afford that anymore because I was starting to lose everything that I had. I got into math and that was a, that was a really good bang for your buck, you know, (laughs) as far as drugs go. Right. And yeah, everything just kind of spiraled out of control pretty quickly in a period of about a year and a half. I had a really thriving construction business of general contractor doing some really big things with that. And I started drowning in myself and I lost business. I lost, uh, lost my marriage. I started doing a lot of dumb shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it sent me down the wrong road for sure. To the point, kind of the, the aha moment for me was I kind of knew that I needed to change some things up. I knew I needed to change my direction. My home base for me is in Indiana and I got a opportunity to go to Texas for a job. And it was, it was a done deal. I had the job, no big deal, but I didn't even have enough money to get there. Like I didn't have gas money, you know, I was spending everything that I had on, on meth. So I thought, well, (laughs) what can I do to get gas money? And and at the time in my head, the only thing I really felt like I knew how to do was drugs. So I started selling drugs. I thought I would just sell enough to get gas money to get to Texas. And then magically my life would be better, you know? Right. And uh, I had a, I had a drug deal gone wrong and a guy the guy owed me some money. He pretty well told me he wasn't going to pay me. And instead of paying me, he gave the money to a local biker gang, to a probate that was in a gang. And he came to my house with a baseball bat and tried to kill me in my own, in my own front yard. I was still got scars on the back of my head. He pretty well, he left me for dead. I, I, I think the only thing that really saved my life was he thought I was dead. When I woke up, he was gone. You know, I'm covered in blood and I'm trying to pull myself up out of the ditch. And as I'm walking back to the house, my youngest daughter, who was probably nine at the time, nine, 10, she uh, tried to video call me. She was at her mom's. <clears throat> and here I am, you know, my daughter who's nine and is trying to video call me. I'm covered in blood from a drug deal gone wrong. So I had to decline that call. That was, <laughs> that was kind of the moment in my mind where it was like, I'm really, I'm really fucking up here. You know, I'm, right. I had some neighbors come by and, and stitch me up. Of course, I didn't want to go to the hospital. That would have made too much sense. They, they came, doctored me up, got me through the night. And about two days later, I headed to Texas. And of course, I had to fake the drug test. I had to do all the good stuff to get <laughs> the job, you know, but, and it was a long road after that. It was probably six months after that before I finally got what I would consider clean. 
you know, they, they say birds of feather flock together. Even when I got to Texas, I thought the benefit of going would be that I didn't know anybody and I couldn't find drugs. <laughs> I was wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, when I got down there, I mean, you learn to identify people. And uh, so, yeah, I got down there and found it right away. It was kind of right back in the same path and until I, I just had to make some hard decisions. And, and I started eliminating and choosing the friends that came into my life rather than, rather than allowing certain people into my life that didn't need to be there. I had to start choosing the ones that I wanted and needed in my life. You know, when I think of that, Matt, like that's some, like God had plans for you, right? Because that guy could have easily killed you especially with blows to the back of the head and you know what I mean? And right. And as, as you just described, right. I know that world very well, at least I used to, right. That was my drug of choice. And it took me like you, like from being married to the white picket fence with my kids, right. And to the streets in like a year, it that fast, it just got, you know, let alone just met, but I was drinking alcohol. Like it was water, you know what I mean? And when that didn't work and meth got introduced into my life, I was like, Oh yeah, I found my little bit of heaven. At least that's, you know what I told myself. Right. Cause for me, it was like, like yourself, it sounds like it was a way not to feel about all this shit that was going on in my life. Yep. So like guys like you and I, and like your story, you know, I always believe there's, God has a purpose for you. Right. And, and you came back from that. Right. And it, you know, don't, don't take this personally because I, it, I talk about myself like knuckleheads like us needed to like that big slap in the face, right? Like God's yeah. throwing a brick at us, right. Going, yeah. Stop. And, uh, you know, I've had my, you know, for me, my, my moment was when, you know, I had a couple moments. One when my mom, my mom came to visit me last and she told me, Hey, look, you're, I love you, but you're no longer welcome at my home. And if you come near my home, I'm going to call the police, right? And if the neighbors see you and I'm not there, they're going to call the police, you know? Yeah. And then the other moment when the judge is like, I don't know where you're going to go, but it's either prison or to a treatment facility. But those are your only two choices. I'm not letting <clears throat> you go. <clears throat> right. And some, but for you, what I want to ask you is like, when you try to tell the audience like that moment, like when you were in Texas, when you were like, this has got to change. Cause you're right. Right. It doesn't matter if we go from Indiana to Texas, or I go from California to New York, right? Like it, we either have that neon sign that says this dude's a drug addict, or yeah. we have our radar out and we can spot it a mile away. Like, Oh, I know where I can go. Right. So tell the audience, you know, like exactly what that aha moment looked like for you. Like, were you at work? Were you at home sitting by yourself? Like what happened when you said, this is, this is done. Like I got to change. Yeah. So, so it was actually at work. I was an equipment operator and uh, we were working at a big power plant down there. And I was, if you're familiar with it, I'm a SkyTrack operator. So they're big forklifts, basically rough terrain forklifts. You know, they'll lift 40, 50,000 pounds. And I was doing some work in and around a reactor and I was, you know, I hadn't slept for about seven days. Uh, <laughs> I remember those days. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, I was just completely out of my head. And I remember pulling up to my foreman, who was a friend of mine, and one of the good friends. He's like looking at me square in the face saying, you got to get out of here or you kill somebody. And I was like, okay. So I, I shut the machine off right there. He escorted me out the gate as a friend, not fired, you know, and, and I, I went home and I spent the weekend at home more. I realized that more than I was putting myself at risk, I'm putting a lot of other people around me at risk too. And, and I called up a friend that was back in Indiana and I asked her for some help. And she was one of those 
good friends that, you know, she didn't tell you what you wanted to hear. She told you what you needed to hear. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you're right. And, and she, she kind of put it, put it in my head, you know, that you're, you're still choosing the same kind of life. And, and it kind of clicked for me that I was making the same choices. You know, I went down there looking for an escape, but I, I went down there making the same choices that I was making here. So it, it made no difference where I was at if I didn't make different choices. And so I expelled a couple of those bad friends out of my life. And that kind of started my my journey of self-discovery and, and trying to see who the good people in my life are and how do I get more of those people. And really, for me, it came down to being intentional. I mean, we, most of us go through life just trying to, just trying to get through life. We take things as they come, yeah. but we, we don't intentionally seek things out. And if you don't, if you don't intentionally seek out positivity, whether it be through podcast or the things that you feed your mind, the people that you're around, and if you don't intentionally seek out improvement, you're not going to get it. You know, the, the law of entropy says that without, without maintenance, anything will go to disorder. If you don't, if you don't feed your mind with the right stuff, it'll naturally just default back to chaos and disorder. Absolutely. I think, I think that's the natural, I think that's the natural state of our mind is chaos and disorder. If you don't, if you don't actively go out there and seek out order in your own mind, it's not, it's not going to just happen. Right. That's why one of my mentors and friends in the, when I first got clean and, and sober, cause I struggled with the word God, right? Like, not that I didn't believe it. I was very angry. Like, okay, if this God loved yeah. me so much, why would he put a nice guy like me in jail? You know, <laughs> why would yeah. he? take my children away. And, and my sponsor, my mentor would always say, dude, one, God was protecting you. He put you there for a reason. And two, yeah. you gave your kids away, right? That was your fault. Yeah. Right. And I started to learn like you, like, okay, so I got to start changing my mind. Right. But when we've been doing it for so long, that as they say, the subconscious is very powerful, right? If we don't change what we put into our brains, right, that old stuff will still come up. And it happened to me for a long, long time. I've been doing this for a long time. And I still find that it creeps where, you know, that little voice that says you're not good enough. You can't do this or you can't do that and blah, blah, yep. blah. Right. But like you, I, I changed, you know, I made sure I hung around the people that were doing the things that I wanted to do and were, you know, going yep. to places I wanted to go and were very positive people. Right. Like yourself. And, you know, for us, we're fortunate we belong to the same network, one of the you know, probably the biggest network on the planet right now, you know, Absolutely. when it comes to and people that are truly givers, right? And like you and myself, like when I first joined, at first, you know, it's always the brain tells you like, these people can't be this nice. Like there's got to be a yeah. catch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like you and I've had that talk, you know, we know that there's truly people that want to see you succeed and you just got to find them. Right. And yeah. hang around. Right. Cause there's a saying in the program, right. It says you go to the barbershop and sit there long enough. You're going to get a haircut. Right. Or you hang around with a bunch of dogs. You're going to get fleas. Right. Yeah. So we had to change our environment and I get that. So, I mean, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Right. You just realized I got to make some changes. Right. So, yeah. So you probably well, go ahead. I, I think that I think that everybody has a bottom, you know, and, and some uh, for some people, it's different than others. You know, when my when I was in my first marriage, I had a stepdaughter that got into heroin. The biggest fear that we all had, you know, you know, us as well as anybody, you can't help somebody unless they want to be helped. And right. the biggest fear for her was that she she really didn't have a bottom. 
I mean, she bottomed out, she overdosed, she did this, she did that. And, and our fear was, holy shit, her bottom is so low that it's, it's dangerous, you know? And going back to your comment on God, you know, by, by far faith had a, a big, or grace had a big, uh, say in what happened in my life. But I, I had a guy tell me just uh, the, the other day, how many times have you prayed for strength? Most, most people, no matter what denomination they're with, they have prayed for strength of some sort. Well, how do you get strength? Through adversity. You know, everything that we went through was put into our life for a reason. I believe it. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to see. It's hard to see, right? you know, and, and now, you know, things have changed for me. Obviously I'm a big believer and I believe that I'm, you know, protected God, you know, put yourself and other people in my life for a reason, but there's one prayer I got to, uh, and I'll be honest with the audiences. Don't pray for patience because you won't like the way God gives it to you. So that's just a disclaimer right there. So, cause he will, and you yeah. will not like it. So, but pay, yeah. pray for strength all day long if you have yeah. to. Right. Yeah. So, um, Matt, you know, it, I just like, you know, when I'm listening to your story, it's just like it could have went either way. Right. And th- I'm, I thank God you're here with me today as a guest. So so let the let the audience know, too. Now, like tell them, like, you know, like we know life's not perfect. But when how did things start getting better for you by practicing, like you said, like this stuff, like putting good things into your head and, you know, doing the right the next right thing, as they say, always, you know, living in integrity. Uh, let the audience know how that has changed your life for the better. Yeah. You know, when you start, you start surrounding yourself with different people, you, you start making decisions about who you want to be. It goes back to being intentional. Um, I decided that I did not want to be that person anymore. You know, I was, I was letting down my kids. I was, I was a failure. I knew what I was capable of, but I knew that I wasn't putting forth the effort to do that. So I started changing the people that I was around. I started changing the things that I was listening to. I remember having my kids one time with me and I was listening to uh, some motivational Monday stuff on Spotify. And my kids looking at me like, what kind of frou-frou stuff is this? You know, and I'm like, (laughs) don't worry about it. You know, and I think we have high expectations that life is going to be perfect. I think that, I think that through those expectations, we let ourselves down. We think that we're going to be perfect. And again, through those expectations, we let ourselves down. But when you get rid of some of those expectations and you are just like, look, from this day to tomorrow, I just want to be better. I don't want to be perfect. I just want to be better. And if you seek out that improvement rather than perfection, all of a sudden your mindset changes because you, it's easy to improve. It's hard to be perfect. Yeah. And see, and that's one thing I always teach like the clients I work with, right? Like don't, don't strive for perfection, right? Because that's nearly impossible. And I always say, because there's one being that being, being God is the only thing that I know that is perfect. Right. But I always say you can give perfect effort, which means when you get up in the morning, you do your best, you try not to hurt anybody, you know, in my case, when it comes to recovery, right? So you wake up sober, you don't hurt anybody. You do the next right thing and you go to bed sober. That's a perfect day. And that's yeah. all you can do is strive to, to be your best, right? And, you, and you've heard it, right? We try to be 1% better than we were yesterday, right? So if you do that at the beginning of the year, by the end of the year, you've become 365 days or percent better than you were the year before, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and my belief is, is that's all, no one can, no one can put you down or say anything bad is if you're trying your best. 
right? And you're yeah. honestly, you know, being honest with yourself and others. So, you know, I appreciate that, you know, your story is quite a story, right? Like I'm sure people got a visual when you, you're talking about your story. Um, so there's a couple of questions I like to ask my guests before we leave. And you know what I mean? They, you've shown them already how you can come from way down here, like our bottom, like, okay, for example, you're right. The bottoms for everybody are different, right? Yeah. This is like yours and mine where say we were addicted to drugs, right? We know what the ultimate bottom is. That's death, right? And you can stop digging as they told me at any time, right? And that still happens yeah. even in my, oh, my yeah. life now, right? Like I'll dig and, and, you know, and then that little voice says, dude, you can stop digging. Good being down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So what I like to ask my guests, right? I wrote a book called Fearless Happiness. Um, I start with fearless. Like what does fearless look like for you today, how does that show up in your life? You know, when you you asked me that question on your calendar, I, I'm thinking to myself, that's for me, that's kind of a loaded question because like fear is you can't get away from fear. It's there. It's real. Without fear, you can't have courage. And, and I think for me, fearless is not being without fear, but being courageous enough to face the fear and do the things that push you outside the box. Bingo. That's perfect. Yeah. I appreciate that answer. I mean, it's so funny. I've been doing this now for about a year and the answers are different, but the same at the end, if that makes yeah. any sense. You know what I mean? So yeah. my next question for you, my friend, is happiness, right? Instead of an I, I put a Y and there's a reason I did it. So uh, what does happiness mean for you today in your life and how does that show up? Happiness for me is being that lighthouse, being able to serve other people. Uh, you, you know, I, re I remember seeing the thing with Jesse Elder on YouTube talking about the lighthouse and the tugboat. And, you know, there's two different modes of transportation and communication. The, the tugboat, tugboat tries to do things through force and the, the lighthouse just stands there and, and shines its light. And that for me has been like a, a life-changing analogy that I've implemented into my life whether it's with my kids, with my wife, with the business, with, you know, everything that I do, am I shining my light? And am I doing it for the right reason? Am I doing this? Am I doing this for service or for selfish reasons? And the more, the more that I do it for service of others, the happier I am. I mean, the happier I am in my heart, in my soul, if I put away the selfish reasons and do it for service, I'm happy. Awesome. Oh, man, this has been a great episode, my friend. Like, I got to know you a little bit more, which I'm grateful that we've crossed paths and we've connected. So I appreciate you. I know you got a uh, apparel line now, right? And and but tell the audience, like, if they wanted to chat with you or get a hold of you or they want to purchase some of your clothing line, blue collar gear, correct? Um, you should have a hoodie. You should have a hoodie coming, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Uh, How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, pretty much any social media. Just Matt Tabor. As far as blue collar gear, we, we launched that back in March of this year. The, kind of the vision for that has changed. It's been through a lot of evolutions. But really going back to service, uh, we're just trying to connect people trying to put the right people in the right people's lives. Uh, we did uh, we did our first uh, Facebook Live last night inside the group, Blue Collar Connect. And uh, I had tons of messages afterwards telling me they loved that. It was different. And uh, I think a lot of people don't know 
Well, I mean, I know a lot of people don't know what's out there and what they, they don't know what they don't know. Right. And so my, my idea is to put some information out there, raise awareness for the working class and uh, hopefully connect some people. Awesome. Awesome. That leads into my next question. You know, I'd always ask to like, I always like to ask my guests, like what's your, what any last parting thoughts or even better something I learned, right? What piece of advice can you give the audience right now? Start with gratitude. You start your day. You, you see the meme on Facebook. If you, if you woke up tomorrow with only what you said, thank you for yesterday, what would you wake up with? I think, I think that's what my biggest piece of advice would be. Start with gratitude. You know, whether it's lying in bed five minutes before you get up saying thank you for letting me open my eyes today, breath in my lungs, whatever, whatever it may be. Thank you for my kids, my health. Being, being grateful completely changes your whole state. Yeah, it's hard to be negative when you're grateful. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, my friend. I'm so glad that you took the time out of your busy day to be a guest. You know, I, I, I got a lot out of this. So thank you so much, Matt. You're an awesome human being. You know, I got you. So let's keep trying to help as many people as we can. And again, thank you for being a guest. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it more than you know. <laughs>